Hi, this is John Barnes, and you're listening to Cop On. Oh, luminous late day. The air is enchanted. The white stalk flying by is half asleep, and the swallows cross one another, wings sharp stretched to the gold air, and away through the benign distances of evening, flying, dreaming. And there is one returns like the arrow, wings sharp stretched to the sombre air, bound for the roof and its black corner there. The white stalk, like a pothook, tranquil and ungainly, so absurd, looms on the belfry. Hello and welcome to Cop On Podcast, you belly-warming bowl of sweet porridge. My name's Owen, and those opening lines were from a poem by Antonio Machado, a Spanish poet so loved in Madrid, they named a metro stop after him. In today's episode, you will hear my two esteemed guests and I discuss the absurd white stalk looming on Liverpool's belfry. Yes, Real Madrid in the Champions League quarter-finals. Holy moly, that's exciting. We will then discuss the Premier League, our chances of qualifying in the top four, And finally, some transfer dreams to while away the sombre air of yet another cursed international break. Enjoy, and thanks a quadzillion for listening. Well, well, in France, it's uh, six minutes past 2pm, and I'm on the line with with Doug uh, and Liam. Uh, It's Saturday. Uh, March the 20th and Liverpool very, very, very excitingly have been drawn against Real Madrid the most successful team in European football European competition they've won I believe it's 11 times now I've lost count how many times they've won it I know Zidane has won it uh, three of the last uh, five years um, and then he lost, finally lost um, against Man City in the season where we, we ended up winning it. And then he lost last season. I can't remember who against. Um, so Zidane's got a great record. It's Real Madrid. Uh, we should be scared. But I'm going to start with Doug from the Dugout Football Channel. Do check out that on YouTube. Brilliant stuff. Doug, um, we should be maybe a little bit scared, but I'm absolutely delighted and I'm buzzing and I think we can do them. How are you feeling about Real Madrid in the Champions League? Uh, I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be totally honest. Like I was, I was at work yesterday, so I, I, was, I had my phone slightly on like the, the draw yesterday. And when I saw Real Madrid come out, I like... I did a I did a mock draw on my channel, and funnily enough, Liverpool Real Madrid actually was the one that came out for me. So for that to come out in real life, I was I was like, yes, bring that on. Um, Real Madrid have won it thirteen times, La Decima. I think I think that's what it is now. Um, but I'm absolutely delighted because looking at the 
looking at the game, um, looking at the game ahead, you know, Real Madrid are not what they were. Um, they've been very, very inconsistent this season. They are very lucky to still be in a title race, all down to you know Atletico Madrid like almost blowing. Uh, I think I think they were twelve points or ten points clear at one point, um, and just ever since then, you know, like Real Madrid have you know got back, and you know, I think the fact that they've got a El Clasico in the middle of you know both games. Should be very, very interesting. But no, I'm, I'm absolutely delayed. I think it's the best possible draw that we could have got. Oh, very interesting. The best possible draw that we could have got. I, I, I know what you mean. Um, Liam, uh, would you agree with that assessment? I mean, I'd say I'm happy with the draw, definitely. I think when you look at the teams that we could have drawn, I, I really wanted to stay clear of Bayern Munich and Paris, the two finalists last year. Chelsea looking good form as well, recently beating us as well. So they're the teams that I'd have wanted to avoid. Madrid are a funny one because, as you say, they've won 13, four in the last how many years, Zidane winning three of them. They're, they're a team that have got the capability to, well, beat anyone on the day. But again, looking at the form and the fact that they are in a title race, as Doug said, is extremely lucky with Atletico holding such a massive lead and now opening the door to both Barcelona and Madrid. It's one of those games where I'd fancy us on paper, but again, as we saw in Kiev in the first half, barring a couple of mistakes from Karius, we were in the game and it looked it looked to be there, but hopefully we can get our revenge in the quarterfinals. Revenge, yes, it's the word on many people's lips. I mean, this is, uh, you know, Zidane versus Klopp, but this is uh, this is uh, Liverpool versus Real Madrid. Uh, Liverpool without Loris Karius and with Alisson Becker. Um, but of course, they might be looking at us, Doug, thinking, well, you know, Liverpool have been in awful form and they might, I hope, underestimate us somehow. And they might especially underestimate one player who um, we already have King Kenny uh, before before him uh, there was uh, King Kevin King Kevin Keegan um, we've had some we've, we've we've been graced with some amazing players over the years Doug uh, but uh, Nat Phillips deserves his place um, among the very best of our legends of course I'm not being entirely serious uh, but Nat Phillips against Real Madrid um, Basically, Doug, can he hack it? Yeah, I think he can. I think, um, look, I think as as we've all said, I think Real Madrid this season. Um, the, the, I mean, I agree with Liam. They are a very, very funny team. Um, and you know, no, no, the one, no, the one thing is that that like Benzema is, you know, probably one of their highest goal scorers now. Um, obviously, scored against Atalanta in the in the last round, but. They've been very... I thought they were really, really fortunate to get through their um, Champions League group. Um, I know they came... I think they came second. Um, they came second, I think, to uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach, funnily enough, I think it was. Um, so the fact that they you know, they, they came second in a group of Inter Milan, Borussia Mönchengladbach and Shakhtar Donetsk, it just kind of says that they are not the team that they once were. Um, and I actually think that with an aging Benzema, I think that Phillips and Kabaku at the at the back will uh, you know be able to you know uh, 
cope with them. I know they've got very good players in Vinicius and, you know, Isco. I mean, Lucas Vazquez is, a, is another one to, you know, look out for. Um, the midfield battle is going to be very, very key as well. Because you've got you've got Casemiro and Fabinho, probably two of the best, um, you know, holding midfielders in the in world football. So that that, that that's very exciting uh, to to watch as well. And also the the fact that you know Eden Hazard, now, for him to go to Real Madrid, I'm going to say this now. That has to be one of the worst transfers probably of all time. Because the amount of injuries that he has had since he has gone to Madrid is frightening. So I think we'll be we'll be looking forward to this game. And as you say, revenge is definitely on the card. And I will say, I will guarantee this now, Sergio Ramos will be sent off in one of the legs. Because I just think we will target him very, very well. Ooh, that would be uh, very poetic. If Sergio Ramos got a, got a red card, that would be absolutely lovely. Eden Hazard has played um, nine games in La Liga and three games in the Champions League all season. Uh, two goals and one assist. I mean, I'm I'm a bit gutted he's not playing because I've always, I mean, he, he does okay. He does quite well against Liverpool, but I I, I do think he's uh, he's his his past. You know, his best years are in his past. Um, but yeah, um, Nat Phillips. Where do you stand on on Nat Phillips' cabac to get to get Fabinho into midfield, where the where the real battle will be, Liam? Do, would you agree that uh, Phillips and Cabac can handle Benzema? Well, the Benzema's their savior, really. I think it's fifteen goals, top scorer. The next closest being, I think, Casemiro, with five or four or something like that. So. He is well and truly where their hopes lie in this game. Quebec and Phillips seem to be gelling a bit of a partnership. They both seem to be the same sort of no-risks no defenders. They just throw themselves in front of anything and not really looking at what's around them, just see the ball, get clear of it, which has worked so far. Two clean sheets in the last two games, which... Is positive, and Klopp's even said himself it's something he wants to build against. Fabinho's influence will definitely help that as well, even protecting in front. My worry is, having watched Benzema a lot, as bit with my links to Leon, I've had lots of fond memories of Benzema, even at Madrid, despite him scoring against us in Kiev. He's, he still seems to be able to perform at the top level, despite him being 33 and it's it's just the sort of player that in the big games does show up. So I wouldn't like to make too many predictions on whether Quebec and Phillips can handle him. But if they do, it's probably going to be the sign that we've got two very good centre-backs on his hands. Yes, that does appear to be the key. You're absolutely right. 15 goals and five assists in 23 league appearances in in La Liga for uh, Karim Benzema. He's 33 years of age and 91 days as we're recording this. Uh, FB Ref, I love you as the, as the website's unbelievable. Um, yeah, so Real Madrid's form, just to go a little bit deeper into that, um, I've got all of their results in front of me now. Uh, but more generally speaking, in um, where is it in, in La Liga they are uh, third they have 57 points they're six points off the top uh, they've played 
27, won 17, drawn 6 and lost 4 already. Uh, compared to last season where they only lost 3 matches all season and they finished uh, champions of La Liga with 87 points. Um, but you guys, I mean, I've just been looking at the stats and the figures and the numbers, but you guys have actually watched Real Madrid uh, this season a lot more than I have. And, and Doug, as you were saying, they, they, they're a funny team. They're a mixed bag. They've, they've had some good results recently. Uh, they've had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven wins out of the last nine matches. And they drew the other two. Um, so they're in good form. But um, what have you seen, Doug, from your, you know, from your expert eye, uh, are Real Madrid's weaknesses? I think they're very weak at the back. Um, you know, Courtois, like people say that Courtois is a very, very good goalkeeper. Like, I just don't see it um, at all. I know he's Belgium number one and all that. But for me, I, I don't know. There's, there's just something about Courtois in a Real Madrid shirt that he just, just doesn't doesn't compose me as like a like call, if, 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 if I'm a Madrid star, as they, they like to call themselves. Um, if, if I'm a Madrid fan, I, I think they're probably looking to maybe, um, you know, get a new goalkeeper in the in the summer. Um, defensively, I think I think they've been really really bad. Um, you know, I think they've got an aging backline now. Um, I think well, obviously the the news that Alaba is going to go to um, Real Madrid. I think it's a great signing for uh, Madrid personally. Um, but yeah, I think I think they're very weak at the back. Um, their goals really, you know, dried up. Um, I think sort of November, December time um, as well. Um, and they've been very, very unconvincing in the Champions League. Um, managed to scrape through um, a very, very top group and all. Um, you know, Shakhtar beat them as well. But I actually wonder if they're being affected by not being at the Bernabeu. That's the big, big thing I think they will take away from this season is that they haven't played at the Bernabeu. They're playing, I think, their, their training ground. I, off the top of my head, I can't think what that's called. But not having the Bernabeu and not having their crowd, I think, has really affected them this season. That's very interesting stuff. Yeah, I mean, in their last uh, Champions League match against Atalanta, I saw that one. Um, I thought they were pretty good. Um, but, uh, you know, they played a back three, Varane, Ramos and Nacho. And then their full backs who, who bomb on, as they say, were uh, Mendy, who's a very good player, uh, and Lucas Vazquez on the right. Um, I think Mo Salah can have a lot of joy in this match, not just because he'll be well up for it, bang up for it, um, but I just think Nacho and, and Mendy, as good players as they are, um, won't have, they, you know, I think they might struggle. I really do, Liam. Where, where do you see Real Madrid's weaknesses? Well, as Doug said, the, the Champions League performances so far haven't been great. If, you, if you'd have taken the two games against Shakhtar as, in the group as a two-leg knockout tie, they'd have lost 5-3, 5-2, uh, sorry. So, again, a team like Shakhtar, a good team, got to Europa League semi-finals last year. But they're teams that Real Madrid should be winning on paper. But, again, this season, that hasn't been the case. In terms of the last round, as you said, against Atalanta with the back three, it seemed to work a bit better in terms of the defensive structure. I think they looked a bit 
a bit open at times before the sending off in the first leg against Atalanta and then obviously Furlong Mendy scored an excellent goal, an excellent player by the way, who Mo Salah will you'd probably think get the best of but looking at the way they played it would be him up against Ramos on the left side of the defence which obviously we'd all be looking forward to as a, a mouth-watering clash after what happened in Kiev but on the on the front side, this three five two three four one two that he's played in his last two games seems to have a, had a bit of an effect in the way that they've been playing, getting the best out of the more experienced players like Modric, Cruz, and Ramos. So it'll be interesting to see what formation he goes with because in terms of a defensive aspect, this seemed to be improving a little bit with the more emphasis on having someone sitting between Ramos and Varane because they've probably both not got the legs that they used to have. So having the defensive like capability with someone in between probably strengthens their areas to drift into wide areas with having Nacho cover them. So it'll be interesting to see, obviously, if Jota can get in behind like he has been doing in the Champions League as well. That could be an interesting clash as well. But there's definitely weaknesses there. It's just how you actually get into them and capitalise on them. Yes, exactly. And uh, I'm sure that uh, Mo Salah will, will, will reduce Sergio Ramos to a timorous wreck by the end of the match. Um, looking at some Real Madrid uh, situational statistics from whoscored.com, um, looking at all of their goals, basically, from this season, uh, they've scored 28 from open play which represents 61% of their goals. Uh, nine from set pieces, four from counter-attacks. They've had three own goals go in their favour and only two penalties. Varsical. Okay, positional-wise, in terms of how they attack, the attack sides, they, they're 41%. The majority of their attacks go down the left. Mendy's side, because as Liam was saying, he's such a good player. Uh, in the middle, only 23%. And on the right-hand side, 35%. So they're going to be trying to attack us on the sides. And something else I like on, on whoscored.com is you've got this sort of overview of strengths and weaknesses. And, uh, for example, for, for Liverpool's uh, overview for strengths and weaknesses, it says that we are very weak or very prone to committing individual errors. So... Uh, you've got to give them uh, some credit for knowing what they're on about here. Uh, they said that uh, Real Madrid are very strong on counter-attacks, on attacking set-pieces. Okay, counter-attacks and attacking set-pieces. Set they're very strong. And they're strong uh, in finishing their chances, attacking down the wings, as I've just mentioned, uh, creating scoring chances, defending set-pieces, and stealing the ball from the opposition. Uh, Liam, I'm going to go back to you. Does that sound like the Real Madrid that you've been watching? Uh, whereas, uh, sorry, just uh, their weaknesses are avoiding offside, stopping opponents from creating chances, and their weak another weakness is aerial duels. Does that sound like the Real Madrid that you've been watching? I mean, with Real Madrid, the as we mentioned, they've got the attacking capabilities to hurt many teams. With even like someone like Vinicius Junior, quite a raw talent that's not really hit the heights that they'd probably hoped with the amount of money they spent on him when he arrived at the Bernabeu. But 
Yeah, I'd probably say that's a fair representation. I mean, when you talk about finishing chances and attacking in wide areas, when you've got the luxuries of having Vasquez and uh, Mendy bumming on, in, as you have said in the last couple of games, that's that's pretty self-explanatory. And in my opinion, Benzema's probably one of the greatest strikers of the last decade. Whether that, well, probably going on before that, probably 15 years at Lyon and Madrid, I mean. 20 goals in all competitions this year, five in six Champions League appearances is is someone to be contained, and that's the that's the luxury I I guess that they've got. He can he can pass, he can finish, he's good in the air, he still seems to have the legs despite being 33. He's I know I've spoken a lot about him, but he's he's the he'll be the difference maker for me in terms of Liverpool's perceived probably slight weakness at the back obviously there's no Van Dijk there's no Matip there's no there's no Gomez either but if those two can contain Benzema I'd say we're in with a good chance but Real Madrid are very dangerous especially when Benzema's in firing form Uh, yeah great 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 answer yeah he is dangerous he is dangerous but uh, he's never met the likes of Nat Phillips um, Doug, uh, would you agree that their strengths are, 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 are like that? I mean, we do have to watch them, don't we? As, as Liam said, they're very, very good going forward. It's not as if it's going to be easy, right? Yeah, um, just just going on the Benzema thing, apparently he has scored more goals against Liverpool in the knockout stages than any other player. I think he scored four goals against us, so... Yeah, look, Ben, look, Benzema is still a top, top striker. There's, there's no denying that. Um, and yeah, at the age of 33, you know, he, he can still find the back of the net. So we, we definitely need to be a lot, lot wary. But I don't know. I, I just, I just go into this game thinking that, you know, the last time we played them in a two-legged knockout tie. We won 5 0 in aggregate. Now, I'm not saying it's going to be 5 0 in aggregate again, but that was 2008, 2009. And I, I remember that night. I remember the, the, the two games. Um, we played really, really well in the first game. Benny Yoon scored um, the, 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 uh, the goal in the burnabout. And then the 4 0 against them at um, you know, Anfield. I think that was Andrea Dosena's best week in a Liverpool shirt because he scored against Real Madrid and then he scored against Manchester United. Um, so, you know. He didn't do much in the Liverpool shirt, but um, you know, to score against those two, um, you'll always be remembered for that. So, I, I, I just, I, I think they are dangerous going forward. I, I, like Vinicius is going to be a, a, a very interesting one, um, and you, you know, Vasquez and Isco. I still think the midfield battle is going to be so, so key in this one. Um, it's all, it's all about, uh, you know, like our midfield will probably be. I'm just trying to think of who who's going to be available like in that week. You know, I, I believe Henderson might, and this is only a might me back. Um, so you you would imagine it'd be a mid midfield three of probably Fabinho, Thiago, and um, and Henderson, or or Fabinho, Henderson, and Van Alden. You know, no, you you could you could say that, but um, I am very much looking forward to this game, um, and I think I think we can we can contain them. And as 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 Liam said, I think um, looking at uh, you know Sergio Ramos, um, you know he people will see he'll he'll have a he'll have a point to prove. He, like everyone would want a Sergio Ramos in their team, whether or not he's a you know a dirty bugger and all that. But 
he is such such a, a leader of um, of men, and um, I just I just think Salah versus Ramos is going to be a, such an interesting battle. But I actually think, and I don't know I don't know if you two would agree with me, but formation wise, if they go sort of three five two or three four one two. Would you guys go four two three one? Just try something a little bit different, like have Mane, Firmino, Salah, and then Jota in the forward role. I think I think we would cause them so many problems. Yeah, it's an interesting question. We'll go to you first on that, Liam. How would you set, uh, set up if they if they do go three four one two or three five two? Well, as has just been said, the midfield battle is probably where the game could be won and lost. I mean, their defensive problems have been apparent at times this season although it's been improving recently and the same for us but our strongest area in recent weeks has probably been midfield Jones is playing well despite he's not been playing in the last couple of matches as much as he'd like Thiago seems to be playing better with Fabinho back in uh, Wijnaldum's been ever present and for them Cruz and Modric are both ever present my only worry if you did go for the 4-2-3-1 with maybe Jota at the front of the four and then Firmino behind him and then Salah and Mane either side or Jota on the wing and Salah at the top, is that you could get overrun in midfield, whether it'd be Valverde, Casemiro and Cruz, Modric, Casemiro and Cruz, or Valverde, Modric and Cruz. It just seems that with three against two in there and Firmino kind of, I know he's got the pressing and defensive capabilities, better than some defenders at times. There were some stats where he had more tackles than Skodra Mustafi a couple of years ago. I know he's not a great defender, but even still, that's impressive. It's just the attacking emphasis in a game like this, where they're going to have five backs, so you'd be 4v5, but they they could dominate midfield, especially if it's, I don't know, Fabinho and Wijnaldum in midfield, because Klopp seems to have the the trust in those sorts of plays in these games, or even Thiago and Wijnaldum or Thiago and Fabinho. I just think it could maybe see us lose the midfield battle, which is where I think the game could be won and lost. That's a lovely answer. Um, I'm inclined to agree with you uh, in terms of, uh, I want our most combative midfielders in there, but also in terms of playing a back three or or back five, if you want to look at it, that way is that there are two different types of back five. Um, I mean, there's the Diego Simeone back six, and then the uh, the sort of Ole Gunnar, Gunnar Solskjaer back five uh, that he sometimes played, and uh, and uh, a back five like uh, Sheffield United. Uh, who else played a back back five against us? There, there were several teams who played a back five where they've just basically the full backs have been fullbacks and they haven't really attacked us at all and when uh, teams have set up against us like that with basically a line of five camped on the edge of their box with the fullbacks going up a tiny little bit but not really that's when we struggle but I'm just really happy when teams like Wolves play a back f- five uh, but they try and attack and 
I can guarantee that, as everyone knows, Real Madrid is in their DNA that they will try and attack Liverpool. They won't big Sam it. You know, they don't call him big Zinedine. Uh, you know, he, he's an attacking manager. He want to take the game to Liverpool and that will play into our hands. That will absolutely play into our hands. Uh, you mentioned Jota. Jota coming back, that can be absolutely huge for us. And I just think that they, if anyone's going to underestimate anyone, I think they're going to underestimate us. Uh, because they're going to look at our league form. They're going to be on their Real Madrid podcast saying, well, Liverpool are rubbish. Look at them. They're, they've lost uh, They lost against Fulham just a couple of weeks ago. Um, and, you know, they have every reason to be uh, optimistic. But I think, I, think they, they, I think we've got players coming back just at the right time. Just at the right time. And uh, I, would, I would play our normal game. I don't think you should change formation or experiment with formations uh, in such a crucial game you should just stick to what you know be confident we can take our game to them and um, we can do it so it's unanimous then between us all that uh, you know the initial excitement um, feeding this prediction possibly but but, but do we all think uh, that we're going to get through because I do I'm really 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 optimistic uh, to, I'm not saying we're going to hammer them. It's not going to be another five nil, but I do think we'll go through. What do you think, Doug? Yeah, I'm. I'm in. I'm in agreement. I, I'm. I'm. I'm very, very confident going into this. Um, I think. Look, I think. Look, Real Madrid are a very, very good side, and you know that Brendan Rodgers side that played in the Bernabeu, but I think it was 2015. That they. You know we've got better, better players now um, from from that from that season. So we've got better players now. I I just I just think if we if we get if we get a, an away goal um, in Madrid, I think that would be absolutely fantastic. And um, I think there are goals there to be scored. I don't think Madrid are the best defensively, um, and I do think that if we get a couple of goals, I think that could be absolutely key. It'd be interesting to see where the home tie will be. You know, people are saying it could be a Anfield. People might say it might be a, a you know, the Pushkash Arena. I mean, we've 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 we've, uh, we've got a hundred percent record there um, at the Pushkash Arena, and we've not conceded a goal yet. So, you know, if it was at the Pushkash Arena, then I would be, I'd be more, I'd be very, very confident. But by the way, I I do think we will go through. I don't, as as I agree with you, Owen. I don't think we'll win five now. Um, but I do think. I think it'll be very, very tight. But I can, if we get a couple of away goals, I think we can do them at Anfield. Great answer. Great answer. What do you think, Liam? Yeah, Red, I'd like to agree with you that we'll go through. I'll, I'll, I'll say that we will go through. I'm, I'm possibly not as confident as you guys, although I'm just one of those. As growing up with... I think I'm a bit younger than you guys, so I grew up with Roy Hudson, Liverpool and all that sort of stuff. There's still a bit of doubt in the back of my mind at times, which maybe I shouldn't have after the last two or three years, but I think we will have enough. It's just in this sort of game where both sides aren't necessarily in the best vein of form and there's areas where it can be won and lost, like Benzema and Salah and Ramos and even Nat Phillips. I think I think we will go through, but I've got a slight air of caution that we don't want to underestimate Real Madrid too much after what they've done in the competition in 
maybe not the last couple of years after exits to Ajax and Manchester City, but previous to that as well, with Benzema still there, firing on all fronts. Yeah, very reasonable. Very reasonable indeed. Uh, yet we should not underestimate them. But, you know, as I say, um, I am feeling bullish. Um, does, though, does the Champions League, does a Champions League victory for Liverpool this season represent the only chance we have of qualifying for the competition next season okay so if you look at the Premier League table we can get a maximum of 73 points if we win all of our remaining nine matches um, which would be enough to qualify for the Champions League uh, in four of the last five seasons sorry bad grammar which would have been enough to qualify for the Champions League in four of the last five seasons um, winning nine matches out of nine is a tall order in the Premier League. We're not doing so well. But do you think that, that we have to win the Champions League in order to get back there next season, Duck? It's 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 very, very tricky because, you know, we're only five points off Chelsea and, you know, fourth place. Um, I still think Chelsea got some tough games to go, go to. I think they've still got to go to uh, the Etihad. Um um, I still think they've got to play Arsenal as well. Like you know, we we don't we don't know what like what Arsenal say will turn up against Chelsea, but um, they do have some tough games. We have some tough games as well. We've still got we've got Arsenal. We've got, I think we've got Man United around the corner coming up very very soon. But you know, I think I th- I still think top four is is on. I really do. Um, I don't think I don't think West Ham are going to be there, unfortunately. Um, as much as you know, they've they've had a very very good season. I just don't think they're going to be there. Tottenham. I mean, you know, everyone will laugh about them. You know, against Danilo Zagreb. I mean, that was a fantastic comeback. But the fact that Tottenham lost to um, a manager who has just gone to prison for tax evasion is um, is quite baffling. Um, but I actually do think that if if we can keep up the winning momentum. I mean, nine nine wins from nine, I mean, it's it's not impossible, but the way we are playing in the league, uh, we have to get rid of this Anfield hoodoo. I'm pretty sure that's going to happen anyway. Aston, I think we've got Aston Villa at home, which again is not a very... It's a tough one, um, because Aston Villa, you know, we want to get, get rid of the, the memory of that 7-2 out of our minds immediately. Um, but they haven't been on the best form either. So, you know, if we can go to Arsenal, if we can get a, you know, we can get a win, that would be very, very good. Um, and then it's just a case. I think we, I think it's Villa, Leeds, Newcastle, um, and then I think it's that Manchester United game, and then I think it's something like Burnley, no Southampton, Southampton at home, Burnley away, uh, West West Brom away, yeah, Southampton at home, West Brom away. Then Burnley away, and then Palace at home for Liverpool. So you look, you look, you look at those last sort of um, you know four fixtures. You know West Brom probably probably be gone by then. Southampton will probably be safe. Palace will probably be safe. So you go into those you know those three games at the but we have obviously struggled against the, the bottom sides. But for me. I, as well as the optimist as I am, I do obviously I do think we can still get top four. I'm gonna I'm gonna put my neck on the line. I I still think we'll get top four. 
It's very interesting stuff, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know off the top of my head uh, all the fixtures, uh, unlike uh, you, just reading those off. is very, very good, Doug. But uh, uh, I'm looking at Chelsea's remaining fixtures. They've got a few easy ones coming up uh, on paper. West Bromwich Albion, Crystal Palace, Brighton. Uh, then it gets a bit tougher. They've got West Ham away. Uh, then it's Chelsea Fulham, London Derby. Uh, then it's Man City away. Uh, Arsenal at home, Leicester at home, and they end up with Aston Villa away. It is a tough run-in after the next uh, three games for, for Chelsea. Uh, they've got six pretty tough ones. Um, Liam, are you still optimistic that we can catch Chelsea or even another team? Yeah, I think you've always got to have an air of optimism going into the end of the season, despite what's happened previously in the league. I mean, as Doug says, we've seemed to have a bit of a inferiority complex at home despite going on that winning run that lasted nearly god knows how long ages and then we go what's it seven games or something now without a win at home it's it's baffling really but that does need to be sorted out if we are going to get top four i mean as you just mentioned there i think the job that Tuchel's done at Chelsea cannot be underestimated to come through against an Atletico Madrid side who aren't at the best, but even still, we know how good Diego Simeone is in uh, knockout Champions League ties when Ronaldo's not on the other team. And again, they've conceded one goal in open play since he arrived, and that's to Takumi Minamino, I think, in the 1-1 draw with Southampton. So the they've got they've got a, def, a very difficult run at the end of the season, a derby, and then re- realistically four teams other than Man City they should have the title done by then. But the, there's probably records for them to be setting anyway. But Aston Villa have a realistic chance of Europe. Arsenal aren't out of it, although maybe from where they are it can be considered too much with how inconsistent they are. And Leicester again are fighting for Champions League as well, so. There's the opportunity to catch them if they do drop points in those games. But for me at the moment, Chelsea dropping points is looking... The amount of points we're going to need to catch them for to drop points may be a big ask. But my hopes are pinned on Leicester. Looking at the way they fell away last season after the restart, I know they had some big injuries like a hip injury to James Madison and... Wilfred indeed, he wasn't really at the forefront, but in their last four games, they play Newcastle are still probably going to have something to fight for in the relegation battle. Man United, Chelsea and Tottenham in their last four games. So if they can drop a few points and we can sort our home form out and get a good partnership at the back and get Jota back in to the front line and get the best out of him hopefully get Firmino back to some sort of form when he gets back from this knock or what injury that he's been suffering in the last couple of weeks I'd say it's definitely still possible and as you said 73 points maximum available I think maybe looking at the Premier League table at the moment I'd say with Chelsea on 51 points you're probably going to be looking at high 60s for Champions League places so it's definitely doable, but based on our recent form, we're going to have to pick up some serious points towards the back end of the season. Yeah, very good stuff, guys. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. I agree with you both. Um, I just, uh, and I think it all depends on injuries as well. I mean, you know, who knows? Uh, Phillips and Kabak uh, could pick up an in- <laughs> injuries, uh, you know, 
it's it's been it's been that kind of a season. I wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if uh, I don't know. Um, Fabinho dropped a toaster on his foot and he was out for the rest of the seasons. That kind of madness that's been happening this season. So who knows? But there is something a bit more, um, you know, we were in the, in the absolute doldrums recently, but then we had that dirty win at Wolves, as Klopp described it, a dirty win. Uh, I was really happy with that game because I just think um, I, it's just really, really nice to see Jota back on the pitch he's a, he's a really big positive from that match and also Nat Phillips I mean Kabak was 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 immense uh Liam what did you take away from that from that dirty win at Wolves it was it was heartwarming after Leipzig as well wasn't it yeah 100% uh, Wolves Wolves are a good side I and mean, they're maybe not as good as they were in the last season probably or the season before that where they've had played Europa League football but they are a side that you can't underestimate, especially at the Molyneux. I know Raul Jimenez is out with injury, so they're probably not the same prospect as they would be with a fully fit Raul Jimenez scoring the goals, probably their leading goal scorer since they got back into the Premier League. But with us not being on form, to have Jota back, I think that was the game changer, to be honest. He's, he seems to bring a bit of confidence to the team because he seems to be a player who... If you give him one chance, he might miss. But if you give him a second chance, he won't miss. He seems to be very good in front of goal. I know Patricio didn't really help himself with the with the goal they that conceded at the near post. But again, even to be in the position, the movement with Mane before the goal, it was a really well taken goal. So it's it's nice to win in that fashion again. Not doing it this season at all, really. There were a couple appearances again where Jota got us the points I think it was 2-1 against Sheffield United again he scored the winning goal and 2-1 against West Ham if my memory serves me correctly again where he got the winning goal and again in the draw with Brighton again he scored the goal that got us a point so again he's he comes up with winning winning point contributions Probably poor grammar there, but yeah, he wins us the points, basically. The decisive moments all seem to be coming from him. So to win dirty with arguably our signing of the season back in form going into the rest of the season, it was very positive. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. How key is he uh, staying, you know, blimey, how key... Is Diogo Jota staying fit going to be for the, for the rest of our season for any hopes we have of the top four and number seven, Doug? Oh, 100%. I mean, Jota has been just terrific. Uh, very, very good signing. Um, a shrewd signing as well, you, you'd have to say. Cause I, don't th- I don't think many people expected Jota to have the impact that he has actually had. And... You you look you look at some of the you know, look at some of the games that he's you know been involved in and you know scored late winners um has been has been remarkable really, um but yeah it's just it's just lovely to see him back on the the pitch and obviously with the international break coming up fingers crossed that you know um everyone comes back unscathed obviously obviously with with you know Scotland with Andy Robertson and you know Portugal with Jota um. Although I do believe that the um, World Cup qualifiers have been, um, and I think the South American ones I think have been postponed. Um, so that that will be that'll be something good. Um, so you know, I think the I think the Brazil players will be probably 
um, fresh and, and raring to go. So, yeah, Jota for me is is very very key. Um, he just gives us he just gives us something more um, up front. As much as you know, as we love Bobby and you know, I know he's been injured, etc. But Jota for me is so so important. And I think you know, I think looking at this game, he could be the difference maker against Real Madrid. I think so too. Um... He's someone, yeah, who has got four goals and one assist in seven Champions League matches. Um, uh, his XG is up at 3.6, which is absolutely crazy. Um, and his expected assist 0.8, which is also really good uh, in the Champions League. Um, in 12 Premier League matches uh, or, or appearances, he's got six goals. Brilliant, brilliant stats. No assists in the Premier League, but that's okay. Um, six goals in 12 matches is absolutely superb. So 10 goals in 19 games only. Uh, it's absolutely superb. So we're going to look forward to, to watching Diogo. Um, but for the last uh, few minutes of this uh, this episode, uh, I want to I take a step into dreamland because we've got a couple of weeks where, you know, we're going to be wondering what to do. It's the international break. Um, what can one do in these dark times where you're supposed to be, you know, get behind your, your countries and all that nonsense? Um, I don't even know who's playing. I still don't know. So what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to go inside our minds and we're going to go into the interior dreamscapes. And we're going to think about dream signings for the last 10 minutes. And the two that keep coming up uh, in terms of boosting our forward line. Um, are Erling Haaland and Kylian Mbappe. Now, both of them are dream signings. I'm not saying either of them are realistic, but, uh, you know, no one could stop us from dreaming. Uh, Kylian Mbappe in 24 league arm matches has 18 goals and six assists. So that's one goal involvement every single appearance in, in Liga. In the Champions League, he's played seven matches and he's got six goals and three assists. He's absolutely nuts. It's nuts how good it is. He's, he's only just turned 22. He's 22 years old and 90 days. Uh, so, um, Kylian Mbappe uh, is absolute. He's an absolute monster. And speaking of monsters, Erling Haaland. Um, check this out. In the Bundesliga, 20 matches played, 19 goals and four assists. And in the Champions League, Six games played, ten goals, one assist. Um, I'm absolutely frightened of Holland. I've got to say, um, I. It's really hard to pick between them, um, so I'm gonna deflect the question, uh, uh, you know, and, and delegate it. Uh, Doug, if you had to choose one of them, of course both, if we're gonna dream really big, but if you had to choose just one. I mean, either would be amazing. Who would you choose, Mbappe or Holland? It has to be Holland for me. Um, this guy can win a game in an instinct. He could actually, you know, he could physically, single-handedly win Borussia Dortmund in the Champions League on his own. He is that good. Um, I uh, his goals is absolutely crazy. What was it? Was it was it six matches, ten goals in the Champions League? That is. Bonkers, absolutely bonkers, and you know, look, Mbappe, Mbappe has 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 been you know fantastic for you know PSG, um, you know Dortmund, Holland in a very um, you know unconvincing Dortmund side, um, scores goal after goal after goal. So, um, 
Yeah, I think I I I would like Holland. I I think I think Holland. I think we're missing a clinical striker, and I think Holland would definitely be uh, be that one. Um, but um, if we're looking at like other dream signings, I mean, Patson Daka seems to be the one that you know many people is on many people's lips. Um, the RB Salzburg um striker. Um, I think he scored two against us in that preseason friendly back in I think August. I think it was August it was. Um so he 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 he'd be a good signing. Um if we're wanting to improve the midfield, Dennis Sakaria is another one that seems to be uh, you know being mentioned as well. And if we're talking about, you know, um centre back, um oh need need to think need to think of one that's not sort of uh, you know injury prone because I, I saw Konati was being mentioned. Uh, but he's he's been injured quite a lot. Mukieli, I think, might be the 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 one to go for uh, from Leipzig. Um, and then you know, as uh, you know, an old name seems to be being mentioned again is Diego Carlos. So I th- I think I think if, if we're being realistic, I think Holland and Mbappe would be absolutely you know fantastic. Um, obviously, I would like Holland, but I do think that we could potentially get. A Patsandaka, a Dennis Sakaria, um, and then a Mukiele or, or or somebody of of that ilk. I I actually I actually am confident going into the in, into the summer. But but they they would be my they would be my three realistic signings: Zakaria for midfield, uh, Patsandaka for forward, and uh, Mukiele for um, centre back. Great, great answer. Excellent stuff. You went uh, into the dreams, out of the dreams, into reality, back into the dreams. Marvellous, marvellous stuff. Uh, Liam, what about you? Mbappe, Holland, uh, who else are we going to sign? Um, for someone who loves French football, I'm probably going to have to go with Kylian Mbappe. I mean, I'm probably doing Haaland a disservice there as a fellow Leeds lad. But no, I think I'd go with Mbappe. I was watching something the other day on Monday Night Football and it was Thierry Henry and Jamie Carragher talking about the same question, really. Would you rather have Erling Haaland or Kylian Mbappe? And they were comparing the Champions League numbers. I mean, Haaland's Champions League numbers, if my memory serves me correctly, is 22 goal contributions in 14 games. And Mbappe's is 42 in 42 games. So both performing well over or on one goal contribution a game, which is very impressive, two young players. It's fantastic. But the one thing that I'd probably take more for an Mbappe sense is Haaland's a great finisher. He's probably not as adept in terms of the way he plays. He's still a very technical player and he's good with the ball at his feet and he can pick a pass out. But I think... Haaland edges Mbappe in goal scoring, but for everything that Haaland doesn't have in other senses, Mbappe's got it all in terms of the runs he can make, his speed with the ball at his feet, the passing ability. I mean, I think he's got 17 assists in 42 Champions League games, which is very impressive. Eight assists in in Liga, and I think he said all six assists. It's, which is up there with the top. I know Memphis Depay's first, but he's definitely up there in terms of stats in league and as well. It's his his numbers are imperial in terms of the last five years. I mean, at seventeen, 
coming through Monaco's academy, winning a league title, scoring his first goal in a 5-3 win over Manchester City in the Champions League. The kid's got it all, really. I, I just I just couldn't choose Mbappe. I mean, I'm probably showing that I've got a, a slight love for him. He's, I think he's the next Messi. So, yeah, killing Mbappe for me. If we're going on more serious signings, or realistic signings. I mentioned him. I mean, it's probably, again, as as I mentioned, I've got Leon links. So Memphis Depay to Leon, from Leon on a free transfer would make perfect sense. 23 goal contributions this season, 14 goals, seven assists. No, nine assists, sorry. He's been excellent watching him week in week out so he'd be my forward I'd agree with Denis Sakari in terms of a midfielder very combative can play two or three different roles if we're looking at a Wijnaldum replacement he's a little bit injury prone but Renato Sanchez has been very impressive for Lille this season going back to my love of French football he'd probably them two or another name's Florian Neuhaus at Borussia Mönchengladbach there three very good players that I could see as targeting in midfield if Vijnaldum does leave at centre-back it's sort of it's sort of one of those areas where you're looking because I think everyone wanted up a Meccano although we saw in two legs that he hasn't been at the level that he has been recently with Salah and Mane capitalising on mistakes in both games but that's just the one position where I don't I don't think there's anyone of the quality or the availability available that's going to massively improve our back line. I think we definitely need a centre back, maybe someone like a a Duja Chaletta Char or maybe looking lower down. I think Simikan at Strasbourg's a very good defender. Um, Loic Bade at Lawns has had a very good season very young raw defenders might be somewhere to look at and to develop into the team just so that you've got the numbers because I think it's I think it's guaranteed that we know that Phillips is going to be an option next season they might even exercise the Quebec option and we don't even need to talk about centre-backs but going for someone like a cooler Barley wouldn't make sense at his age profile. Mukiele is good, but I think he's played more of a right-back role. He can play centre-back. He did at Montpellier before he moved to Leipzig, and he's a very versatile player, but I think the right-back's probably where he's more suited to. So I think maybe looking at younger defenders would be the best way to go at centre-back. But going back to the original question, it'll be definitely Mbappe for me. Wow, that gives me the casting vote. That's a lovely answer. Very good. Thank you very much, Liam. Uh, yeah, loads of talent in France. Loads of young talent coming through uh, again in France. It's really exciting. It's lovely to to see that. Um, but yeah, uh, as if I have the casting vote, I am going to say, as much as I absolutely adore Erling Haaland, um, it's gonna be Mbappe because as you say his his all-round game I mean just comparing progressive carries per 90 Killian at 9.36 compared to 2.54 for Erling Haaland dribbles completed Killian Mbappe 3.67 per 90 compared to 0.98 uh, touches in the attacking penalty box 9.9 I suppose that's not very good uh, because that uh, 
Hall has got fewer attacking touches on 6.51. It just means that Hall is just deadly. Um, but then progressive, uh, everything, all the teamwork, as, as, as Liam was saying, well, the teamwork of Mbappe is actually underrated. Yes, sometimes he hogs the ball and he dribbles when he shouldn't. But generally speaking, he is a team player. He he does love an assist. And, and it's six to confirm for this season in Liga uh, for, for Mbappe uh, and three in the Champions League in seven matches. I mean, basically either one would be insanely good. Um, but yeah, I mean, and, and other great options as well. We'll have to see what happens. And we'll also have to leave it there. Uh, but thank you so much to you both. It's been really exciting, really, really nice to talk to you both um, about the Mighty Reds. There may not be a match, but there is hope in our hearts. Uh, thank you very much, Doug. And thank you, Liam. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, I really enjoyed this. Um, really enjoyed this special uh, special episode. And yeah, fingers fingers crossed for all of our uh, all of our nations of Scotland, um, Wales, and uh, you know England. Uh, I mean, to be fair, good luck to all the home nations. In all honesty, um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, um, it, it, you were asking about who Wales have got. Uh, they've actually got um, they've got a group of Belgium, Czech Republic. Um, Belarus and I can't think of the other the other one off the top of my head, but um, yeah, good good lot to good lot to Wales, Scotland on the other hand they've got Denmark, Austria, Israel, um, Moldova, and uh, the Faroe Islands. So you know we have slipped up in the past to teams like that. And uh, England's group, well, you know, if England don't win that group, then Gareth Southgate should be sacked on the spot because uh, they play San Marino. And um, in all honesty, my grand could go and goal and England would still win that game. <laughs> I think he should be sacked. Uh, he should have been sacked on the on the spot for not picking Trent. Uh, but there you go. Are you going to watch any international footy, Liam? Uh, yeah, it's something I watch a lot, really, international football. It's not... I know the traditional Englishman would be, a, a, especially a Liverpool fan, would be, well, don't, don't support England. And to be honest, I'm not a very patriotic person, so... I just like to watch other players from other leagues playing for the national teams. As I mentioned, I like French football a lot, so I normally watch a lot of France's games as well. Something to look forward to is the um, under-21 Euros as well, which is happening. The group stage is happening in this international break, and it'll be interesting to see how Curtis Jones gets on as well for England. Still uh, like great, England, yeah. but I'm not. I'm not as very patriotic as other people might be. No, that's a great shout. Absolutely brilliant. Well, okay. Well, enjoy, guys. And uh, I'll uh, speak to you soon, I hope. Thanks. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you.